Hello and welcome to this episode of Battling with Business with me, Chris Kitchener. And me, Gareth Tennant. In this podcast, we're hoping to explore ideas and concepts around teams and teamwork, leaders and leadership, and all things in between. It's a discussion between a former Royal Marines officer and a product manager from the world of business, comparing and contrasting our experiences as we attempt to work out what makes teams, leaders, and businesses tick. And this week's podcast is sponsored by a tall, cool glass of water as I've just come away from a business trip and um, I think a little bit of detox is in order. Gareth, we are very, very lucky to have a guest and what's more, a guest that was triggered by feedback from podcasts. So those of you out there listening, you see there are other people who listen to the podcast as well. So Gareth, would you like to introduce our guest this evening and explain uh, a little bit about why they're here and what we're gonna talk about? I would be delighted. So. This evening, we are joined by Theodore Bigby, who is somebody I first met when working with the Future Strategy Club a few years ago now, and is uh, an avid listener to the podcast, which is great to hear, and got in touch with us a few weeks ago to talk about the podcast uh, and his feelings around uh, how we were doing, which was mostly positive, which is great but did want to question our language, I suppose, around the topic of diversity. And so that is going to be the the key subject for for this episode. So we've talked about the value of diversity in almost every episode, if not every episode that we've done so far. And we've talked about why having different perspectives helps us solve complex problems and all of the virtues of building diversity into teams. Well, in fact, what I will do is I'll throw it over to Theo. Uh, So welcome, Theo. Firstly, just tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you're up to, and then what your confusion was with the language that we were using. Well, thank you very much, uh, Gareth, and thank you very much, Chris, for having me on your podcast. I have really enjoyed listening to um, your episodes as you started out and explained who you are, what you do, and the way that you can um, bring different perspectives into the business world. Because we did work together um, before, and that's where I first um, learned about how the military can have ideas and ways of uh, helping businesses to be more efficient and to get people to have uh, more responsibility in some ways, from my perspective, um, how you can give responsibility to people who may not be at the top of the chain of command, which I think is great. At the moment, uh, I work in marketing, I work in freelance, um, I help people to get online and grow visibility and gain market share. All that means is I help them to build a great website. I help them to get their message out there, whether it be blogs, helping them plan uh, videos and things like that. And then um, onto things that you are more expert in, um, such as uh, putting structures in place, because I've really enjoyed writing things like standard operating procedures in past businesses I've worked in. So that's why I help people with. And I think it's very important to have diversity in a workforce as well. Because diversity, uh, we don't have to think of it just as a workforce or just about people or anything like that. I think it's in nature. Um, So if we look at wooded areas, uh, there are different types of trees. There are bushes, large and small. There's grass. For example, China has had a a tree planting project where they're trying to reforest land uh, to stop the desert from claiming more and stop sandstorms. The research into that has shown that there have been monocultures that they've been doing. So, for example, they're planting one type of tree. Maybe it's not native to the area, but just one tree and factory planting it so many times. And it can result in harm to birds, for example, because birds are looking for trees of different ages and different types. Um, so when I heard you and Chris talking about diversity, the thing that I thought was a bit strange was that you kept saying it's not political. But for me, I've never thought of it that way because I think you you want diversity in a workforce. And everything that I saw you working on when we worked together before, uh, you're always about making sure that there are different types of people and uh, also different types of uh, not just 
the way someone looks or where they're from it's the roles that they're doing and accepting that different people have different roles with different responsibilities but you can empower your workers to become better i'm not sure if workers is the the best word but i think it's upon all of us if we are in a higher position in the chain of command and that's a phrase that i've learned from you more and more over your podcast a chain of command can be good although it's not necessarily about telling people what to do it's helping them to be better so i think in the chain of command uh diversity is great uh, but also empowering people to think you know what i can make decisions as well your your opening statement is before we start talking about sort of diversity of people in a team i thought that was a really really good way of thinking about it and say before we start talking about teams just think about the value of diversity in the world and all around us and so i i, I love that as a topic and i and i'd love to come back and because I, I know you've been thinking about different examples of that that make you realize diversity isn't this weird unique sort of topic that's only for teams it's it's all around us and you can right identify the value just before we do that though i think and i don't know how you feel about this gareth i think it's worth us spending a little bit more time revisiting sort of how we phrased it before yeah. and and put that to one side and carry on so i think we made a sort of a flippant passing comment about the term woke yeah and about you know the political use of this and just to be really clear and to nail our colours to the mast, I feel passionately, I suspect Gareth does, but I don't want to, don't want to put words in my mouth, the term woke, and by definition, many of these topics that we're talking about has been arguably hijacked and diminished by people. So the, the term woke being meaning awake, being sensitive and thoughtful about these things, we see today it being used frankly, as a weapon in a culture war. It, in itself, the term woke is being used to actually has become almost meaningless, but it somehow suggests that if you want to be thoughtful, if you want to be empathetic, if you want to talk about things like diversity and justice, somehow that's a bad thing. So when we made that comment about the use woke, it was very much the sense that it's frustrating that people are using that phrase almost as a meaningless weapon to somehow try to discredit these kinds of conversations. When actually, my experience and Theo, the way you've talked about it with Gareth as well, and I know you know we have similar views on this, is diversity is not a tick box exercise. It is not a sort of badge of look at me, aren't I doing the right thing? Actually there there is that there's a moral imperative around it about justice and equality in the world and the people you work with but actually there is also a business imperative that says you, you i mean i would like to think i care about these things both for a moral reason because of fairness and justice but actually because diversity gives me the competitive advantage so i just wanted to touch on that gareth i didn't know whether you wanted to either agree, disagree, or add anything to that about how we'd use that before and just to clarify what, what we meant. So the thing I would completely disagree with is the idea that woke has become meaningless as a term. I think it has become very, very meaningful. I just think people have different meanings for it. It's been politicised as a term. Uh, and so I'm going to, I, I think the phrase you used in a previous podcast was ban the term woke. I think I'm not going to ban anything, but I think we should probably Can put cancel culture. Eh? <laughs> we should try and talk about the value of diversity exactly, and avoid really inflammatory language that's being politicised. And so I think what we did in quite a clumsy way was what we, or what we tried to do was to was to make that point that diversity, as, as you say, Theo, is, is diversity. You know, there isn't different, you know, there isn't diversity for the sake of political correctness and diversity for the purpose of business. And I think you're absolutely right in that. And that's why I saw I saw you trying to make sure that you didn't. I, well, I thought maybe try not to turn people off from the message because your message is really important. But at the same time, I started to think if people don't have uh, the mindset to 
ignore the peripheral stuff and concentrate on your message, then is is their mindset yet ready or is there work to do there? Because uh, that's not to say they're a bad person, but uh, just that your message was so clearly not to do with anything political for me. All I yeah. saw was business, business, business. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely right. So let's 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 go back to the sort of you, you started to make the point that you gave examples of diversity in the world. I don't know whether you want to sort of, I, I we, as I say, we talked briefly before. Yeah. With some more examples, almost to, to normalize the fact that there's nothing in inverted commas special about diversity. We already know the value of diversity, but perhaps we've forgotten or ignored it. I don't know if you've got any other examples you wanted to. Yeah, sure. I think uh, it's more of um, overlooking something. So if we, live in the northern hemisphere um, around where we live um, in Europe across uh, North America it's very green the temperate zone so we see green everywhere but maybe somebody who comes from an area where there's more desert so between the tropics and the temperate zone is, uh, there can be deserts between there they may not be used to seeing so much green and it's amazing for them to see green like uh, my family out in on the west coast in uh, California, whereas I'm on the East Coast, uh, Washington, D.C. area. And so they came over and then they were like, wow, it's so green here. Look at all of this green. So we sometimes miss out on seeing the diversity around us, maybe because we're used to it, or we don't realize that there isn't uh, there is a lack of diversity because we're used to our environment. So, for example, diversity can happen in business so we'll have stock portfolios and they can be diversified so you're not always going to invest in a single sector of the market because it's very risky over the long term so a company might start off with one product for example uh, jump into the actual business you might invest in and they sell it in one area but soon they'll diversify the locations they're selling it if you're selling ice cream in uh, clapham common then okay you're doing really well there but then you might go over to the um, east end you might go to Allgate and sell ice cream there because you've made good money where you were before diversify your location you might get some different flavors the vanilla is doing well how about strawberry strawberry is doing really well hey I've got this new uh, kiwi fruit ice cream is that going to sell well we'll see uh, so there's also um, natural resources like uh, countries for example uh, so countries might rely on oil. They might be oil-driven uh, economy. They might have a single crop like bananas or a single industry like tourism. And that leaves them at risk of price changes or diseases damaging crops. And we can see that in uh, South America. One reason that South America has uh, been slow to develop, one could argue, is that a lot of the countries. Uh, may have uh, relied on one particular crop and they just sell that one thing. So then the countries that are buying that can suddenly say, hey, you know what, there's less demand, so we're going to pay you less, and they lose out. Uh, countries like uh, the UAE, for example, and we have uh, Qatar um, hosting the World Cup recently, and Saudi Arabia. These are countries that are trying to diversify from just being oil-based to promoting tourism, hosting sporting events because you don't want one thing to damage your country or your business. So that's where diversity in business is very important. Yeah. I, think it's such, I think it's such a powerful idea because there will be plenty of people who demonstrably, we've, we've all met them, um, who, who don't demonstrate an, an, an active interest or value diversity, who are almost certainly engaged in an area of business where by definition they are interested in diversity. I thought yeah. your, I thought your, your, your sort of your pension portfolio. What a perfect example. <laughs> the person who says it's all nonsense, you know, this is all not, this is all woke nonsense. Sorry, you're allowed to find <laughs> me. But I love the idea to say yeah. you're absolutely right. Your pension is in just one fund. Yeah. No, no, no. I want so. Yeah. I I love that as a concept. And I, I think there's a. It's a really interesting book by a chap called Matthew Syed called Rebel Ideas, which is all about the power of diversity and what it brings to organisations. 
And one of the key points that he makes is that having different perspectives, different ways of working, whether that comes from your cultural background, whether that comes from geographically where you were brought up or where you previously worked, or whether it comes from having worked in different, different industries, different sectors, what you can start to do is cross-pollinate ideas. I mean, one of the examples he talked about in the book, which is fascinating, was the, the step change in industry that was brought about by electrification. So if you think about steam-powered factories, you had big steam engines and then all the machinery sort of through lots of pulleys and cables and stuff all structured around these steam engines. Uh, and that's how industrialists built factories with big electric generators, because that's how they built factories. That's how you build factories. And it wasn't until that somebody from a completely different sort of cottage industry manufacturing sector came into a big workshop and went, why are you doing that? You can have tiny little electric motors, but now you can have a motor on every machine independently and do it completely differently. And suddenly the, the output of these factories grew exponentially, but it took an external idea to go, you've got new technology, you can use it differently. And there's another example about uh, wheels on suitcases. And the fact that somebody came up with the idea for wheelie suitcases about 100 years before they actually took off, because culturally, people weren't ready for the idea that you would wheel a suitcase. Because the people who had suitcases, the people who could afford to travel, didn't have that problem. They didn't care because porters would do that for them, or their staff would do it. And, and women would never carry their own luggage. Men would do that for them. And, and so it, it took a change in cultural aspect for the innovation to take place. And, and then bringing this back to kind of a military example, in the intelligence world, there's loads of examples of where our intelligence has failed or failed to fully appreciate the dynamics of the situation because there is a lack of diverse thought in the way that we analyse problems. Most notably, if you look at the rise in Islamic fundamentalist terrorism in the Middle East over the last 25 years, when all of the analysts who, for the previous couple of decades, been focused on Eastern Europe, were all mostly men, mostly white, mostly North American or European, were told to start working out what the threat from Islamic fundamentalism was, they were really out of their depth. And actually, what we could really have done with was asking some people who are well-versed in Islam, so Muslims, people who are well-versed in the Middle East, so Middle Eastern people, rather than second-guessing. Well, so I, I want to, we, we're 20 minutes in, we've violently agreed with each other that diversity is valuable and we've given some examples. I want to take us in a different tack because at this point, people listening are either saying, of course, it's valuable. You don't need to spend another 40 minutes or it's all a load of nonsense. Or the bit that I'm interested in is how do we how do we change or how do we effectively do this? So I, I, I'm these are, as it were, non-prepared. I haven't said this to the guys, so this is sort of off the cuff. For people who don't believe in diversity, do you believe we can change their minds? Theo, I mean, this is, uh, um, do you know what I mean? There's, you know, you meet the person who says it's all nonsense, it's a tick box exercise, and you change people's minds. I think with everything or anything, you can never change someone's mind if they've uh, decided on something. You can only show them, and it's up to them. Uh, the reason I say that is because I have worked in um, sales uh, quite a bit in various roles. And you speak to hundreds of people. When you speak to them, you know they're not going to change their mind. I'm too busy. I can't do this. I can't do that. We don't want to change. The wheels are square, but we've done it this way all the time. So it can be just pre prevent presenting facts to people. So I don't know if that uh, knocks the wheels off your argument no, at all. No, but... 
actually, actually, it doesn't, because I think the, the the underlying thing for me is this is not about saving people. Because yeah. I think I think it's very easy. You know, I, I think it's probably fair to assume we, you know, I talked about the moral imperative and business imperative. You know, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about the business side of things, but morally, we all agree with it. But I think there's almost this sense of, and maybe this is personal, you feel like you want people to also feel the same way. And I was thinking about this today. I've been sitting on a train for three hours today. And I was thinking, to your point, there are people who are going to agree and people who aren't. And this isn't about changing their minds. It is about presenting information saying, if you want to change, that's great. But if you don't, that's okay as well. I mean, Gareth, I don't know whether you... Well, I I think one of the, the biggest sort of complaints that you get when talking about diversity and inclusion the the role and need for diversity is is this kind of yes we get that and and of course as we're exploring this is an incredibly complex and often sensitive topic but on the face of it seems really simple doesn't it it seems like a, a simple case of right and wrong like we're we all know racism is wrong we all know discrimination is wrong and it's only when you actually start to scratch the surface to talk about what these things actually mean in dynamics that we realize how complex it is so when people talk about well we're going to have some diversity and inclusion training or we're going to implement this new policy quite often that can come across as like you say the organization is out to save me um, and it can be quite sanctimonious and I think, I mean, it's possible if it, if done poorly, it can be counterproductive as well. Yes. But I, I, I want to. I, the reason why I raise this, and I've got some other interesting things to poke on, is because to your point, good, we get it's valuable, but this complexity that you talk about is really interesting. Hooray! We have a diversity inclusion course. Is that is that good? Is that yeah. useful? Or is it not? Here's another one for you. Here you go. This is this is one for both of you, and I'll I'll. So to start with you, Theo, legislation. Mm. Do you legislate against lack of diversity and inclusion? And don't get me wrong, I'm very aware that we have, but I was thinking about this. I, I, I've just been at an insurance conference and um, insurance companies are saying there is too much uh, regulation. Yeah. And it was very interesting here that the regulation was around a principle rather than a specific thing. And so that struck me to say, what's the role and what's the value and where's the place for legislation in this? So again, Theo, what what's your take on this? I mean, great news, Theo. Tomorrow I get to make the laws in the UK and I'm going to throw people in jail if they don't demonstrate my degree of inclusion and diversity. I'm saying, surely that's a good thing, right? I think it's a terrible idea. Uh, The reason I think it's a terrible idea is because it's like forcing people and compulsion. What I do think is good is that the law does point out that X behavior is wrong and it's not right to do those things. Um, Like uh, certain types of discrimination could be gender, disability, age, race, whether the person who is feeling those issues at the pointy end of the stick, if they can prove it or not, that can be very difficult and it can be very stressful and it can take many years to uh, get, if you are due compensation to get that, then when you do, people say, oh, but you know, you were just like doing it because to get the money, but that might not be the case. It's probably that you've been hurt, injured, not necessarily physically, but um, injuries can also be financial. Uh, you've been unable to provide for your family, you've had uh, mental problems. So I think legislation helps that we can put a big, big ring around, okay, this is the big issue. But if you start going into specific things, it becomes problematic. And people who are on the receiving end of the discrimination can find it difficult to prove what they need to prove or get back what they've lost. And people who are on the other side, you could say either wielding the stick or off to the sides, especially people off to the sides who haven't maybe done those actions. 
and they feel in their mind and in their heart, they don't discriminate against people. When they see, okay, this person's getting a benefit from this law or why are they causing trouble in this area? That That's where laws uh, make problems. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to run away quickly from this because I I not <laughs> not not because I just not because I disagree because I think it's really difficult. I mean, the best I've got is legislation should be for protection rather than forcing people to change. In other words, yes. I make something that says you're going to be safe, but I'm not going to create legislation that forces you to behave in a different way that isn't about. Yeah. it's difficult right okay. yes because maybe i didn't uh, maybe i didn't answer your question properly because you're right when you say that if somebody says the law is you have to have five of this race on your team you have to have three of this race on your team that's totally wrong you should never tell people how they have to run their business or do their company um, it's about encouragement from other sources and i think the law is not there for that the law is there to say hey if there's somebody who has uh, a broken leg or they're unable to walk for another reason that you have to make sure they can access your building and they can get around, they have toilets. That's totally fine because you have to cater to make sure everyone has the opportunity, whether or not you hire those people or not necessarily picking on um, anybody who is like that, maybe their collar, or the country they're from, whether you hire the people is up to the business. And morally, I think it's on them, but we should encourage them to uh, be inclusive. I think the, the UK law is, is actually, I think, fairly balanced because we have the protected characteristics. Yeah. I think there are seven, like age, race, sex, religion, sex or gender, yeah. uh, disability, ethnicity, Choice of football team. Choice of football team. I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I definitely missed some there, but they are protected characteristics. Yeah. And uh, as far right. as I'm aware, as long as the job doesn't specifically need to discriminate, and there are jobs that do, we'll talk about that in a minute, then you cannot discriminate. So uh, as you've already highlighted, Theo, the, the idea of we can employ men and women, but we've only got men's toilets. Yeah, that would be yeah. a clear... Yeah. Uh, case where actually the legislation is in place to say, well, you now have a, a form of discrimination that's not acceptable. What you can't do, or what UK law currently says you can't do, is positively discriminate. Um, and of course, positive discrimination doesn't really mean anything other than the intent behind the discrimination in theory is positive. But the idea that you must employ uh, women for this role because you don't have enough is not allowed um what you can do and what you should do is create equity in the process and so we're now at the point where we're starting to talk about equality versus equity well hold, hold on to that thought because that was th this is a piece that i'm less comfortable about, and this is the positive discrimination piece that you pointed out before we do yeah can i just very quickly go back to where I said it's okay to discriminate in some circumstances. Are you are you trying to dig yourself out of a hole? Uh, there's yeah. a very there's an appalling thing <laughs> you think we can discriminate against, and you're going to reveal that. So, jobs where actually those characteristics are essential to the job, you are absolutely allowed to discriminate. A good example of that would be underwear models. Um, it is absolutely okay to say I can only employ women to be my underwear models for female underwear. That is okay. That is not against UK law. In the military... A chaplain probably has to be of a particular religion. If you're, if you're, yeah, if you're hiring a Catholic yeah. chaplain... Yeah, presumably. I don't know if we hire them by, by religious cool. order. That's I don't really know. Cool. Do but yeah. yeah, yeah, presumably we need recognition. Jedi. Interesting. But we do discriminate by age and we do discriminate by disability. Yeah, yeah. So you can't be a paratrooper if you are in a wheelchair. It just doesn't work as a job. Yeah. But where the military has really radically changed in the last few years is equal opportunities for female combatants. First frontline para Parachute officer. regiment officer, yeah. So the Royal Marines needs to catch up because we yeah. don't have any yet. 
um, but it is now allowed. And we are also starting to really try hard to do things like employ people with physical disabilities, employ people with neurodiversity and things that we have hidden behind this idea of, well, you have to be fit and strong. And therefore, we, we of course, we couldn't. We now actually have. And I work quite closely um, with a chap who was unfortunately very seriously injured in a road traffic accident when serving as a reporter um, and is now a quadriplegic in a wheelchair but serves in the in the army because the army don't need him to climb ropes and jump over walls and run at the enemy they need his mind they need his analytical skills they need his ability to be a brilliant reporter and so he is a reservist and does a brilliant job so the army's you know really making or defense actually as a whole is making real real strides in that direction even though it looks as though the army has to be one thing one unit everyone's the same everything's like perfectly exactly regimented i think it's good to hear that there are actually the people behind the front face that you see are actually diverse. They've got different ways of thinking. And like you mentioned about um, intelligence before, that makes perfect sense to me when you say that, because I do imagine everybody who was employed at the Ministry of Defence and other places such were only one type of person. They probably came from the same universities or went to the same prep schools with each other. So I'm really glad to hear that uh, things are changing for the better. I wonder whether there's a piece here about diversity is forgotten in a good way because of necessity so Mm. when when all of a sudden you say i've got better things to do than worry about arguing about whether it's a tick box i i need to achieve something i was thinking about as we're going along where um people recruited in the second world war for bletchley park typically were people who were good at crossword puzzles. Yes. That's how they recruited them. Mm. Now, okay. Whether or not they were physically fit or whatever, but, but mm. isn't that wonderful where actually, arguably, it was less important whether you were fit, whether you were in fact male or even female, because it was, it was actually yeah. very equality. I love the idea that when it comes time where you need something, the whole discussion about, equality in a sense is no longer interesting because you'd be saying that's great i need people who can do this for me and i'm less worried about shape they are what religion they are i i like that and i again maybe it just reflects back to you the point you made at the very beginning theo which is diversity isn't a tick box or a political statement or wokeness diversity is simply a reflection of find the best people for the job whatever shape size skills the best balance the, of people the well. best balance of people absolutely so, yes. those examples of non-human diversity ecosystems diverse uh, natural environments it, it's all about balance isn't it it's all about finding interactive um systems that are mutually supportive and i think that's where for me we can draw the link between the moral imperative, the doing the right thing for your people, the leadership aspect of being a manager within a, an organisation, and the functional imperative of creating opportunity for resilience, adaptability, creativity. And those two things hugely overlap because if you look after your people, they will look after the task and they will look after the team. And we're now back to, you know, yeah. eight or nine episodes ago where we talked about team, task and individual with Adair's. Um, You've got to say balls. You've got to say yeah. balls again. I was trying to avoid it. <laughs> but we're, we're not afraid of saying balls. Adair's overlapping big balls. Exactly. Well, look, I tell you what, tell you what, Gareth, let's take a break. You said the word system, which I think is a brilliant segue for someone to touch on. But for the moment... We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a second.
welcome back. So Gareth, you, you, you beautifully brought it back to sort of business and you talked about the word systems and um, I, I'm about to repeat a quote and before anyone thinks that over the last sort of period of the podcast recording, I am now better read, you'd be sorely mistaken. I spoke to someone this morning, they said this quote, and I said, I'm going to steal that and write that down. So that now that I've now that I've qualified, this is not my quote. Um, I I was thinking about how do you how do you bring to life? How do you make a reality? How do you make a diverse team? And I was talking some of that this morning and they talked about uh, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. And I I loved this this statement. The, the quote is this. You are the product of your systems, not your intention. And what I loved about that was we're like, we, we should be good. We should be diverse. And I think that statement sums it up perfectly, which is that's great. Yeah. But you, you can't just cross your fingers and wish for diversity. You have to build a system that goes around it. So I, yeah. I love that. And, and the question, of course, begs from that, what systems do you create? So, Theo, you've, you've obviously thought about this. We've decided that apparently I'm not allowed to be king and declare by law things that I want to happen. Apparently right. that's we'll, we'll work on that. We'll <laughs> see if we can change that. But um, systems, Theo, what, what, how do we create systems is maybe too fancy a word. How do we not make diversity accidental? How do we make it a part of a, for want of a better word, system that says, here's a framework by which you're going to get diversity because the system helps create that environment. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's a bit of a, an oxymoron to have like a system to create diversity, because as we've discussed as well, diversity kind of happens naturally. It happens in the world around us that, you know, different uh, like evolution. I agree with you. I mean, I think the point you're making is, and don't let me put words in your mouth, which is the risk of systems is that the system becomes more important than the outcome and it becomes inflexible. But uh, the reason why I said it sort of this way is I think there is a there is a value and a use in a system. So here's an example. Here's what I mean. We were we've given sort of the example about, you know, um, traditionally I'm in the software world and often not always, and actually I've been, I've been blessed that most companies I've worked in have had that diversity. There are fewer women, particularly when you're in software development. And so how do you bring in this example, more women into the workforce? And so historically, and this might be way off, so feel free to shout and wave your fist at me. And this is, of course, a challenge that the military has absolutely as well. Absolutely. And and by the way, we talk about women, but of course, it's, I mean, more broadly diversity. What will typically happen is um, positive discrimination in some form, where people will say, well, you know, there are X people in your team, as you said, Theo, 50% of them should be women, you should hire more women. Okay, we, right. we, I think we all agree on this, and I'm looking at everyone's nodding, which is, okay, that isn't good. All you're doing is moving the diversity counter around. You're, you're, um, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're picking on a different group. Right. So the, the system for me is about saying, when I am hiring, my goal is not to hire more women. My goal is to say, who is the best candidate for this job? Yeah. And within the pool of candidates that I'm interviewing, there are some awesome women candidates. There are some awesome Asian candidates. The, the diversity yeah. is in the pool that is presented right. to you, rather than because I'm only going to pick one group of people and that's how I'm going to do it. But um, I think that's a great way to look at it. But I would say... It's also affected by uh, affected by outside forces, because uh, we could think, okay, who is conditioned to want to do these kind of jobs or look at this career? Ah, So IT, you mentioned uh, women, it has it has been portrayed as a male domain, although I wouldn't agree with that, because I know there have been a lot of women who, for example, helped to put people in space. 
uh, women who help put men in space i should probably say that instead yeah. because it's the fact whereas they at the time couldn't do those jobs so there are also uh, many countries around the world and in britain as well you look and you see a certain type of person is doing a certain type of job and other people are doing other jobs. So also society has conditioned us to believe certain things. So you're right. Make it as broad as you can to make sure you get any candidates you can. But it's not just on us as business owners or leaders. That's a really, really important point. And I want to push back a little bit on your dismissal of the idea of systems because i think a system doesn't have to be designed and built a system can be in, engendered cultivated and developed so if you think about an ecosystem for example it's not designed it is a system that evolves so um but before i do that you you, you use space as a great example and i just want to throw this uh this sort of comment in here helen Sharman gets referred to commonly as first British woman in space. Not just men that go to space. Helen Charman, first British woman in space. She was actually the first British astronaut. But everybody mm. focuses on this yeah. first British woman in space. She was the second woman in space, I believe. I could be wrong on that, but there was certainly an American. There may have been a Russian before her as well. Um, but yeah, she was the first British astronaut in space. And, and I, I think that's a... It, it shows there where people are trying to be positive and and actually getting it horribly wrong because their own biases, their own assumptions are, are playing a part. Well, I, I want to be, I mean, I you're right, but I the purpose of this conversation was, as I say, that there's no point in us violently agreeing we should have diversity for 60 minutes. But, but you saying horribly wrong, I'm going to push back on that and say, I don't want to, I don't want to say horribly wrong, because I don't want, I think one of the problems with this is it's easy to scare people off. Yeah. It's easy to shut people down and say, oh, you said the first woman in space. It's not. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the point about this is that it is, it is actually, it's funny. We treat it like the beginning and end of the conversation is diversity. Good. Should you hire in a diverse way? Should you have a diverse team? Actually, that is the first five seconds. We would never say, well, well, we all agree you should have good teams. We're all done here. We've spent 20 hours going yeah. on about this. This is similarly complex and nuanced and how do you do it? So going back to Theo, you're, you said something which I thought was brilliant earlier. And funnily enough, it echoes a conversation I had this morning with someone, which is they said to me, Chris, when was the last time you hired someone? And I said, oh, well, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I wrote a job spec handed it to the recruiter and away way it went. And they said, did you ask a woman to read it, this? And I said, why would I do that? And he said, brilliantly, because did you, you, do you inherently, naturally, and with good intention, write jobs descriptions that appeal to men because you are a man? And I thought, that's a really, really interesting point. So it goes back to your point about people in IT. Actually, one of the things a system I can put in place is, actually, have I thought about how does this job appeal to other people? Yeah. And so whether it's women or whatever it might be, whoever, actually, I have a role to play in diversity when I'm hiring. Yes, I'm not, my, my, my sort of position a few weeks ago was, well, we just need to find better recruiters. We find a bigger, better pool. Mm. But actually, I think the point that was made to me this morning is, well, hang on a minute, Chris. Are you writing the best job spec that, as it were, invites people who are diverse? Or are you, in fact, making the problem worse yeah. by effectively saying, here is a job spec for a white person like you, Chris, kind of thing? Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from there. But as well as that, I think it's also um, important on who the person who's doing the hiring. So I guess in one way to echo your point, what I've noticed um, in my work life is that uh, when there is somebody who is a minority, who is the manager and they're doing the hiring, their teams are more diverse. In one company I worked in, which was uh, quite a small company, it was quite stark. So one of the directors, white male, all of his staff, 
at the time were all white. They hired over the course of a few years. The other uh, director who was Asian hired different people. There were a few Asian people, there were white people, there were black people. And I noticed that in another organization I worked in, which is when I thought about it, in that organization, um, it wasn't like two directors, it was just a management team. So throughout the organization, it was almost all white people. In one um, manager's uh, group, he had hired a more diverse uh, platform of people. So there were like uh, another Asian person, there were white people as well. I'm not sure if, if other people have seen this in their life. I would encourage the listeners to think about that. Have they spotted anything like that? Because it's just anecdotal, but I thought that was interesting. I think, I mean, and I think the point about this is, as maybe it's just we've been talking about it just now, but it is it is something we need to think about it's something that's actually hard it's easy to trip ourselves up you know that i think the, the the example of the the job specification i've never really thought about that before yeah. and so it's an it, it isn't a simple hooray we should have diverse teams well done i've won i'm a good person and yeah. i have a great business right. actually the hard bit is how the hell do we do this how do you how do you, I mean, yeah. here's another question. I, this is one actually I, 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 I wrestle with. And I've been very lucky over my career where I've had some really fabulously diverse teams that I've inherited and then augmented. And I've had some pretty un uh, sort of varied teams and diverse teams. How do you over time change diversity within a team? Because you can't change it overnight. You can't say, you know what? you're all the same so i'm going to get rid of half of you so i can yeah. get the diversity it it's it's an ongoing task it's a yeah it's just uh not necessarily even a task i think thinking about it as a task it has some negative con connotations um yeah. maybe I trying just to think about it as okay you know what this is the team that i have i don't care who i hire and if you genuinely do that I think things will be positive, but that is a very easy thing to say um, because I've heard from other people, oh yeah, you know, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. But when people are being discriminated against, it doesn't feel good to be, oh, hey, you know, it's going to happen. So um, what I'd say is as a leader, it's uh, important that when even starting in a new position, I've seen this, um, managers come in, and it's important to get everybody pulling in the same direction. So in that way, you don't want diversity. In terms of mindset and goals and achievements, you want that to be single-minded. The challenge can be, how do you then bring in people, for example, who might think differently? So during the interview, um, it's not uh, going to be you're discriminating against any particular individuals. Let's just even think, if the person is exactly the same, if it was possible as the person they're sitting across from and they're like, you know what, you look exactly like me, you're from the same area, all those things are the same, but the person across the table might think about challenges differently. And so you're thinking this person, is they going to, are they going to challenge me? Or if you have someone in your team who challenges the way you think, I think it was Chris who mentioned several um, episodes ago about you like to have people in your team that challenge you. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yep. we we had a whole episode yeah. talking yeah. about yeah. Uh, right. the importance of uh, it's, it's interesting that the that you pushing back against the system, we have advocated there is a place for a system around that. So rather than hmm. and it's maybe the point about system is not leaving it to chance. To your point, yeah. not leaving it to chance. You can't just say, you know, cross my fingers and it'll work yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think we're we're dancing around the, the difficult bit of this because there are there are some just nasty people out there. There are some just xenophobic, racist, bigoted people. This isn't me you're just secretly referring to. Just want to make sure. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> sorry, <laughs> <not a good. laughs> there are very few of them. And you know, put them to one very, very small minority aside. Um, most people are advocates of doing this for both the moral imperative and the, the output that it creates. But you said uh, a few minutes ago, Chris, um, I want to hire people. I want to just hire the best person for the job. Well, 
of course you do. And that makes absolute sense. But what that does is it gives people the almost the excuse to say, I don't, I don't see colour or I don't need to think about yeah. because okay. I look past all of that. I just want the best person mm. for the job. Well, we've already highlighted that your pool of talent yeah. is potentially quite narrow because there's a whole load of historical fa- uh, factors, the fact that the industry, software, the military, whatever, is has been aimed at recruiting men. Uh, women are going to be, uh, and minorities and disabled people and all of these prote- protected characteristics are going to feel more intimidated. You're going to need, so less of them are going to actively apply. The language in those uh, calling notices for job applications is going to not resonate with different groups. And so we're now back to this really difficult elephant in the room of equity versus equality. And how do you how do you shift the needle without becoming part of the problem, without the positive discrimination, without the marginalizing big parts of the effective workforce? And if we look at you know, the, the politicization of the word woke, a lot of that has come about from the fact that white working class men have felt very, very marginalized and attacked over the last, you know decade or so or, or maybe longer because there is this you know condescending voice this we're going to impose these these things on you because they're right and, and actually we need to create the equity in the system so we need to read cvs in a fairer way with a broader yep. perspective we need to yeah. write calling notices but we also need to communicate in a way that doesn't marginalize the people that we need to implement these changes right yeah i think that's a great point because um i think it's yeah it is easy to look and say these people have been discriminated against but many people might sit back and say but hey i haven't had it easy in my life and it's very difficult to explain to people that what we're trying to do not necessarily we us but what is trying to be achieved is taking down barriers so that people don't have to worry about their race or their language as a barrier and you can see this in places uh, like uh, japan where um, i've lived so going back to diversity being a buzzword I think he, I've seen that in action in Japan because uh, everywhere at the fest, local festivals, oh, it's diverse. This place is diverse, diversity. But it's a very uh, mono-ethnic um, culture, even though there are many people there who are from Korea, the Philippines, from China. Uh, the focus is definitely on being Japanese, which is not necessarily bad because you get to enjoy amazing local festivals and you get to eat local food. But even, for example, I lived in the Northeast, near to where the um, uh, nuclear power plant was. Uh, but then if you go to the South uh, West, around Kansai, around Osaka, you might know that city, um, their culture of food is different. Where I lived, people eat something called natto, which is fermented soybeans. People eat it all over Japan, but around Osaka kind of area, it's less popular. It's seen as, oh, this is country people food. And me as an outsider, that's that's what I saw. So I'm not saying it's exactly correct, but I saw there are different cultural differences between parts of even Japan, where the two the people from the two places will say, I'm Japanese, I'm totally Japanese. Japan is amazing, it's the best country ever, but there are differences. And it's important for us to acknowledge that in England, in the UK, there are people who might look like another person who is advantaged, but they haven't had the opportunities and they've been held down. What we lose when we talk about woke, we lose the fact that we're trying to progress as humans, but there are some people who are holding us back. And the same people holding us back are the same people that are saying, look at this person. They've got this legislation. This person is getting this money. You're not getting this money. So it's a, it's a tough thing. It, it really is. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to be very optimistic here, particularly as we come to the end of this, which is it, it kind of feels like we have a way through this. And the way through this is 
the first overriding statement for anyone in doubt, and I'm going to talk about hiring, but I think that that's an example of this, which is hire the best person. The, the, there's no, there is not yeah. one single point that we said tonight, well, even if they're not the best person, you should hire them because, you know, it's kind of the right thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Hire the right person. However, for, for you to hire the right person, you have to genuinely have uh, equity. You have to have a quality in the field so that you can hire the right person. So when someone says, well, you know, you're just hiring more women. No, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to hire the best candidates. And you know what? The candidate's best candidate happens to be a woman. I'm going to challenge you on yeah. that because I think there is there is a potential for a flaw in the concept of the right person if you are struggling to have diversity already. Because uh, and a really good example of this was or is still to a to an extent, but certainly was uh, women in combat roles. So the military for a long time has said we want diversity, we want equity, we want all of the really good. Yeah, we are absolutely a uh, a champion of these things, um, but the right people for the right roles. And women cannot fight in combat roles. And let me rattle off a whole load of reasons why. I don't think... And it's been a difficult cultural change to get people to say, oh, it turns out it's not that big a problem. And the right people that we thought were right, actually, a lot of what we were saying was right, was irrelevant. The right skills aren't to do with sex or gender. But I, but I, I don't... I... I, well, first of all, I don't disagree, but I don't know that changes the fundamental principle, which is still hire the right person. What you just then said, then said was question your assumptions. On question your assumptions about what the right candidate is. Yes. Question your assumptions on how do I find the right person. Yeah. Question. So the reason why I said that is because I maybe one of the big things you see pushing back, and you you sort of said this, Theo, which is and we said this at the beginning which is it's this fear that someone is going to benefit or a type of person is going to benefit disproportionately that i mean that really is the sort of if you flip diversity yeah. on its head it is the, it is mm -hmm. the fear or the reality of someone disproportionately benefiting and so by saying the phrase hire the right person yeah. the principle of that is there's there should be no disproportionate now, you've, right, you've but, blocked all these things to make that true. Yeah. But fundamentally, that's the point you're making. So, you you know, this is why I sort of talked about the, the, the positive discrimination. It just made me uncomfortable, which was I understand you're trying to right a wrong, mm. but attempting to right a wrong by making another wrong, two yeah, wrongs cause... definitely don't make a right in this one. So it turns out, as with all of the topics... It's actually quite difficult. I don't think we've, we've <laughs> really nailed yeah, this. It is. I, I think, you know, ever the optimist, I think society is having more of these conversations. We are seeing progressive changes in the workplace. We've got, you know, women are now on in combat roles. We've got um, lots more conscious conversation in the military about the value so it's not rooting out bullying it's not rooting out discrimination it's the value of diversity i was gonna say it's, i mean so i i think there are these conversations are happening more and more i think as they do you're going to identify those areas of conflict and friction and complexity and that is going to be sensitive and at times uncomfortable but for me, I ever the optimist. I think we are we are heading mostly in the right I direction. Think so, and if and, and maybe another way of, of sort of framing how we've talked on this podcast, we we spent a couple of podcasts ago, two podcasts talking about operational art, and I like the fact that we're talking about diversity in this in exactly the same way. In other words, mm. you would never question why you might want to talk about and dive into operational art, and I hope what we're we're, we're showing is, and that's why you should talk about diversity in the same yeah. way. 
it's it's not virtue signaling it's not just because of a moral imperative these are yeah. valuable skills that you would you would not blink about talking about operational art and strategy yeah. and communication why would diversity and topics relate to that be any different yeah absolutely all right well i yeah. think i think we've we've um kicked that one around a bit Theo, thank you so much for coming on. And 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 it, it's proof that A, there is at least one person that listens to us. <laughs> but judging by the numbers, you must be downloading in an awful lot of time. So maybe you should, should think about that here. But thank you for the feedback. And also thank you for engaging on what we feel is an important topic. And hopefully we turned it from a bit of something that's maybe a bit fluffy for a lot of people into a genuine discussion about how do you change? How do you do these things? So Theo, thank you very much for coming on. Real, real pleasure to have you on today. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the end for today. Um, I think this is where we kick into the usual spiel. Um, you know what? We Part of the value of this is the feedback and interaction. So, uh, you know, if you like what you hear, please annoy the hell out of your friends and colleagues and say you should give this a try. Um, our download numbers weirdly continue to go up and it can't all be our families um please tell them about it um uh, we are on battling with biz on twitter with a z we are also battling with business at gmail.com so please send your and you know what um maybe you'll be the next guest who comes and talks about a topic that you're interested in uh, accuses of being wrong or right or simply raises a question have it we would love to hear from you um on that note, then, uh, Theo, thank you very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye from me and... Goodbye from me. Thank you very much.